Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for September 9th, 2019. This is the time of the week where we get together and talk about all things CircuitPython. Um, this meeting is recorded. Uh, we record both the audio and we record the chat along with it, so uh, be aware of that. Um, we are on uh, Discord for this meeting, and we're on Discord all week. So if you are listening to this later and you're unable to attend these meetings, but you would still like to chat with us, please check out adafru.it slash discord and feel free to join us. This meeting happens uh, typically on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, sometimes that changes, but uh, we let people know in the CircuitPython chat on Discord uh, when these meetings are going to be at different times, typically around U.S. holidays. Um, CircuitPython is a version of Python that runs on microcontrollers, which are tiny little computers, and development is sponsored by Adafruit. So please support them by purchasing hardware from adafruit.com. We are also, um, this, this video will be posted to YouTube and we are also on podcast services. So let us know if we are not on your favorite podcast service and we will get that fixed up. This meeting is held in five parts. The first part is community news, where we talk about everything going on in the community with uh, CircuitPython and Python on hardware. The second part is the state of CircuitPython and the libraries, which is a statistical overview of the project, giving basically a look at the project by numbers um, versus uh, what's actually going on um, with content. And then we have uh, hug reports, which is an opportunity to um, call people out for doing something good. Uh, which doesn't happen enough, so we try to make sure that we are uh, we are doing that. It is held as a round robin where I will start as an example, and then we'll go through the list alphabetically. If you are uh, text only or lurking, please let us know, and we will either skip over you or read off your notes. As well, if you ever miss this meeting and you'd like to pass on a hug report, you can add it to the notes. We have a notes document that we make available for these meetings, and we try to make it available um, over the weekend before the meeting, so you would have an opportunity to add your information to it, and then we'll read it off um, when we would get to your name in the list. And uh, the next section is status updates which is also held as a round robin. Uh, it is an opportunity for you to take a couple minutes and let us know what you've been working on over the last week since the last meeting and what you're going to be working on over the next week until the next meeting. We try to get to, or we, we get to everyone who wants to um, give a status update. If you're lurking again, or if you are text only, again, let us know and we will read off um, or skip over you. Um, remember that uh, the meeting is recorded, so if you don't want your voice recorded, feel free to remain text only and we will read things off for you. The last section we lovingly call In the Weeds, which is an opportunity for more long-form discussions or general questions, things that don't quite fit into status updates but you would like to bring up. 
please let us know either in the chat or in the notes if you have an in the weeds topic at any time and uh, we will get that added to the notes um, throughout the meeting. The idea being that we don't want to um, have a bunch of waiting at the end of status updates uh, to see if anyone has an in the weeds topic. So if you've got one, let us know early so we know uh, what we're getting into by the time we hit in the weeds. And that is how this meeting will go. So the first thing I'm going to do is turn it over to Phil for community news. All right, thanks, Kenny. Mm -hmm. Okay, first, uh, congratulations, everybody here who works on Circuit Python. Another list came out, like every other week. Top programming languages, uh, Python tops charts, but this time there was a Circuit Python and MicroPython mention as one of the reasons why Python is rocketing to the top on these lists. Uh, we try to avoid like which language is better than other languages because that's never good and it's not productive. That being said, um, we do like when people say, well, the popularity because of uh, hardware coming to Python is, is helping out with that list. So check it out. It's on IEEE Spectrum. We also did a blog post. Um, probably later on in this chat, after uh, I sign off and do the next thing, the team will probably talk about the CircuitPython 5 Alpha 2 release. I think this is just like a minor fix update, but that is out. We put uh, that in a newsletter, and there's also a blog post. Tomorrow is Tuesday, uh, but Wednesday, <laughs> I have to look at my calendar and make sure I get this right. Wednesday, we're doing our uh, machine learning microcontroller chat with Hackaday. And so if you like uh, Python on hardware and you're curious what we're doing with the combination of machine learning, TensorFlow, AI, and CircuitPython, Blinka on Linux, uh, tune into that on Wednesday. Uh, Lady and I are going to be emceeing it on HackChat. We'll also have live video. And then we have some folks from Google. And you might have seen some of our demos and more. We have one that we're going to probably post tonight. But it's combining um, the philosophy of CircuitPython and what we want to do long term with machine learning. So it's easy, approachable. Um, things show up like USB drives. You drop models on them. Um, lots of documentation, lots of tutorials, and a combination of the, the hardware to make it just work. So that's what we're going to be doing on Wednesday. Um, and speaking of Hackaday, uh, Hackaday turned 15. I started the site 15 years ago, and we did a YouTube um, and other video chats with some of the past Hackaday people and present Hackaday people. If you're interested in like some community building ideas and how communities can work or how you can make a site that, or even an effort that lasts a long time, we, we talk about that quite a bit. Let's check that out. Um, we also have been posting our um, how'd we do STM32 post. So we wanted to put out this particular design to see what people thought about it, because people have a lot of experience with STM chips. So check that out. Check the comments and let us know if we missed anything. Lady Ada will be watching this and making a revision soon. And then last up, um, I thought this was an interesting thing for communities to look at. Um, Gordon, who works on or worked on the WiringPy GPIO library, is uh, basically saying he's out. And it was really unfortunate because he was doing a lot of good work. And there was just a few things that kept coming up over and over. And he decided, hey, this isn't worth it. And um, he's, I'm going to reach out to him and see if he wants to come over to our community and our world where we do really 
good job with moderation and encouraging people. But I think this was a good le lessons and things to to watch out for. So this is for all of us. If we if we see people in the community that could use a little bit of help or encouragement, and also if there's folks in the community that we have to have a talking to so they don't chase away good contributors, um, let us know because it's really important. And that is the community news. Thanks, Phil. Bye-bye. All right, next up is the state of CircuitPython and the libraries. Uh, this is a statistical overview of the entire CircuitPython project, which involves both the core and the libraries. We will take a look at it overall, and then I will pass it off to Scott to talk about the core, and then I will talk about what's going on with the libraries. Overall, we had 38 pull requests merged uh, with 13 authors. Um, I believe uh, Higher Effect is one of the newer authors, and I've not seen Heartzell before, so thank you very much for um, joining us and thanks for contributing. And we had 10 reviewers, which is excellent. And thank you, Higher Effect, for being a part of that as well. Um, and thank you everyone who's been involved, uh, but I list off the newer people. And we had 17 issues closed by seven people and 17 opened by seven people. So we are net equal to where we were with issues, which is fine. Overall, uh, we're still working on 5.0 alpha and we will be doing another small release soon with a fix uh, that we recently put in with the Circuit Playground Blue Fruit. And um, we are working on BLE, um, various things with that, including bonding and um, workflow. So, and with the libraries, we have uh, continued putting in many new libraries, uh, which has been great, and updating previous ones. And we're working towards um, having a better way to track pull requests and issues across the libraries as well um, to make sure that we can keep up with that. So things are looking pretty good and we're moving along uh, pretty much where we wanna be. So next up, I will turn it over to Scott with the core. Hello. Hello. All right. Uh, for the core, we had 13 pull requests merged, uh, which is up from normally where we are at, but it's a good good number to be. We had six authors, Higher Effect, Summersoft, Dan Halbert, Jeff Epler, Deshibu, and myself, and six reviewers, uh, mostly the same folks, along with Lady Ada. Um, we have nine open pull requests, which is down. We're under 10, which is awesome. Um, and some of those are kind of long-term ones that we need to take a look at, uh, but there are a couple short-term ones as well. Uh, the li full list is available in the notes if folks want to see that. Uh, Issues-wise, we had five closed issues by two people and two open by two people, so we're net down three uh, for a total of 176 open issues, which, again, is down a bit, which is good. Uh, I did a pass over the issues last week, and we only have one issue that's not assigned to milestones, so that's good as well. Uh, we have four open issues in 500, um, and one for features for 5x and 11 bug fixes. So uh, if people want to take a look at that, uh, I recommend it. I released 50 Alpha 2 uh, sometime last week. I forget which day. Um, but since then, we've had a total of 91 downloads. So I recommend uh, anybody who wants to live on the cutting edge uh, to try that out and let us know what issues you find. Um, on the stable side, we have 410, and it 
now has a total of 5,741 downloads. So um, as always, the stable release gets a lot more downloads. So it's it's always important to remember that. And anybody who um, wants to help us out, uh, one way to help us out is to just try the latest unstable release and, or pre-release uh, using your projects and let us know how it goes. So uh, that's always welcome. Uh, lastly, in the notes here uh, for the core, we have download stats by language. Uh, most of them are English. I will not read off the breakdown. But again, if you want to see the details, the details are available in the notes. And hand it back to you, Caddy. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. All right. So with the libraries, uh, this week we had 25 pull requests merged by nine authors, including uh, Hartzell and um, Baker Melissa, Summersoft, Jerry, Needell, Carter, and uh, Brent, Nick, Scott, and Davis Dells. Um, we had seven reviewers, uh, again, uh, very similar people to the people who authored them, but also including Sedacious. So thank you to everyone who submitted pull requests um, and to everyone who reviewed. We can't move forward without obviously either of these, um, either of these situations of people being involved. So thank you very much. We have 33 open pull requests right now. There is a list of them in the notes. Some of them are long-term, others are not, same as the core. Um, please feel free to take a look at these. If you need help with figuring out how to test them, let us know, that's something we can help with. And um, we can always use simple reviews like uh, syntax or um, even spelling errors, things like that. So don't feel like you um, are, in a, are ever in a situation where you don't have enough experience to review a pull request. Just simply let us know what it is you did or found, and uh, that will definitely help us out. Issues-wise, uh, 12 closed issues by six people and 15 opened by five people, leaving us with 148 open issues. That list can be found at uh, circuitpython.org slash libraries slash contributing, um, which I will also talk about uh, later in status updates. We have had um, a number of new libraries added over the last week, which is excellent, and uh, a number of updated libraries as well. Um, the list is in the notes. I will not read them all off uh, today as they are a fairly long list. And that is status updates. So next up is hug reports. Hug reports is a chance to call out anybody for doing something good. Um, including a uh, general community, that sort of thing. Um, anything that's happened over the last week that you want to uh, highlight someone for doing, uh, you can mention it here. Um, I will. We do this as a round robin where we will um, go uh, down the list. I start and we go alphabetically. If you are lurking, we will skip over you. If you are text only, we will read it out for you. And if you are missing the meeting and you wanted to put notes in, you can do that as well. And we will read it off um, along the list as we would if, as if you were here. So I will start and we will um, get to everyone. So uh, first, a hug to Dan and Jeff for help with understanding and explaining capacitive touch on the NRF52840. I am currently working on the guide for the Circuit Playground Blue Fruit and needed to have under the guided tour page an explanation of the capacitive touch 
on the blue fruit and um it's a little different than circuit playground express so i needed um a little bit of help with that uh not just understanding how it works but being able to put it into two sentences that make sense to beginners uh, which was the struggle so thank you very much for help with that um, to Dan for fixing up the board def for the Circuit Playground Blue Fruit, found a pin assignment that was incorrect during my testing, and Dan got that fixed up. Hug report to Justin to getting CircuitPython.org ready for the slash library slash contributing updates, and to Summersoft for continued work on those updates. Um, and that is my hug report. King North is lurking, so next up is Maker Melissa. Hello. Okay. Uh, first of all, a hug report to you, Katni, for helping me out with some MacBook questions. Um, to Anic Data for doing uh, some additional eing testing, and to Hans Oosterdorp for submitting a great Orange Pi Zero PR and a general group hug. Excellent. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah. Next up, I have some uh, hug reports in the notes from Ntol. My hug report is for Dan H. for his really helpful ideas last week while I was working on CIRCUP and a general Teletubby-like group hug. And next up is Sedacious. Hey, so I've got a group, or not a group hug, a specific hug for uh, Dave Bruchetti for putting together the CircuitPython community members spreadsheet. Spoiler alert. Um, and another to PT, Lamore, and the Hackaday folks for a really cool interview about the past and future of Hackaday. That was really enlightening and lots of cool anecdotes. You should totally watch that if you haven't yet. And lastly, a uh, hug to Sagittac for becoming a community helper. Excellent. All right, next up is Scott. Hello. Uh, first and foremost, thanks to Matthew Newber Newberg, uh, also known as M Newberg, for adding dithering support to color converter. So, uh, if you have a full color image and you're showing it on a 16-bit display, you can get, and you have like a smooth gradient of color, you can get color banding. Um, and so Matthew added the ability to tell the color converter like, hey, actually add some randomness to my colors so that the banding is less noticeable. Uh, so we got that merged in today. Happy to see that in there. So thanks to Matthew for sticking with me on that review. Uh, thank you to Eric Trout from uh, Microsoft for uh, PyWrite. Um, I got pointed to this by Dan, who works on VS Code. I'm forgetting his last name. Um, but PyWrite is basically a bunch of TypeScript that does uh, Python parsing, static analysis, and um, like IDE editor sorts of hints at the lowest level. So I'm looking at using that on mobile phones, which will be really cool. Um, thanks to uh, Lady Ada for lots of reviews. Um, I was going through my email yesterday, and it's always nice to see Lady Ada merge in stuff. So thanks to her for that. And uh, lastly, uh, Dan Catney and Jeff Epler, and I think somebody else, but I couldn't remember who. Carter. Uh, Carter for hunting down the incorrect uh, circuit playground blue fruit pin mapping issue. Um, really appreciate uh, everybody taking a look at that and figuring out that, uh, you know, things were just not set up right. So thank you to all of you for that. All right. That's it for me. Next up is Brent. 
Hello, um, Hug Report for Jerry for working on uh, CircuitPython requests and getting it working with a Raspberry Pi and with the particle boards and a group hug to all. All right, excellent. So Carter and Seagrover are both lurking. However, I have a group hug from Seagrover in the notes. Uh, so reading that off. And that means next up is Charles Burniford. Hey, group hug to everybody. I, I finally got my uh, keyboard thing licked. And I love it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, I was able to uh, get the information I needed from the uh, the uh, documentation. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a. I have to go, but I just wanted to drop in and okay. Wish a, uh, a good, good week. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. Okay. All right. Next up is Dan. Hi. So I'd like to thank Scott for doing the Alpha 2 release and also for like finishing up Display.io. He kind of finished his agenda on that, I think. And um, that's great. And he's moving on to some other things. We're in good shape with that right now. Uh, thanks to Jeff Epler for working on audio stuff. There's a lot going on on the NRF and also He's looking at um, some DMA problems on various systems, which is hard and very important that, that somebody work on that. And thank you, Katney, for actually discovering that there was a bug in the pin, pin assignment in Circuit Playground Bluefruit, which unfortunately took, was it was it took a while to. It was just really confusing about why it wasn't working, and that it was a pin assignment bug as opposed to something else took a while to figure out. All right, thank you. Yep, absolutely. All right, next up is Dave Bracetti. Thanks for helping with the CircuitPython community members directory, which I'll talk more about coming up later. All right. And uh, Dave P is lurking, so next up is Dashifu. No, Mike. All right, I will read it off. Um, so uh, Dashibu has a group hug and also a hug for Dan for the USB endpoint configuration. And next up is Hierofect. Um, so uh, big thanks to uh, Dan for integrating um, the new USB HID configurable stuff, which makes it easier to deal with uh, STM32 boards. Um, for uh, for Scott for taking a look at my PRs this week, and uh, to Lady Ada for uh, working with me on trying to get uh, another STM32 F4112 board available for testing, uh, which is turning out to be a little bit of a pain in the butt. So thanks for your patience on that. Looking forward to getting some other uh, SDM32 boards around for testing. Excellent. Matt? Thank you. All right, next up is Jason P. Okay, so group hug all around. I get, you know, kind of interrupted a couple weeks at a time from doing CircuitPython stuff. So it's fun to come back and just interact with folks. To Anecdata specifically for uh, 
gently having patience and encouraging me to look at my code a little more closely when I was complaining last week about my cut over to CP5. Called Adafruit. So just, uh, I'm really excited about some of the things coming up, especially the BrainCraft board and the whole community that's kind of being put together around all this CircuitPython is pretty cool. Excellent. Thank you very much. Next up is Jeff. Hi, just a group hug this week. I know a lot of people have helped me out on the chat, but uh, when it came time to remember you or write down your names, I blanked a little. If that's you, then uh, this hug is for you, but otherwise it's for everybody, so that's for you. All right, we love group hugs, thank you. Next up is Jerry. Yeah, I'll throw in another group hug this week. All right, and that is hug reports. So now we move on to status updates. Status updates is an opportunity for all of us to sync up on what we've been doing over the past week and what we will be doing over the next week. It's an opportunity for us to hear what the community is up to and also uh, for us internally to be able to sync up as well and know what it is that we are up to and where we're gonna be over the course of the next week. So take a couple minutes. Tell us about what you've been doing, what you're going to do. Um, we have heard all kinds of things, including uh, bathroom remodels and landscaping. So if whatever projects it is you're working on, we'd love to hear about it. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be CircuitPython. I, we're doing this again as a round robin. I will start and then we'll go down the list alphabetically. If you are lurking, we will skip over you. If you are text only, we will read it off. Um, and if you're missing the meeting, we'll also read it off if you put anything in the notes for us. So with that, I will get started. And let's see, so last week, uh, I updated the CircuitPython FAQ and the troubleshooting page with the links to the final 2x and 3x bundle builds because we are deprecating them. And um, it turns out uh, we need to, we, for, we forgot to release the CircuitPython build tools PR after the PR that we merged that set it to build the 5x bundle and stop building the 2x and 3x bundles. So I will be taking care of that today. Um, but the plan was that we have a place to point people if they are for whatever reason insisting on continuing to use um, 2x or 3x. We encourage people highly to update to 4x or 5x. Uh, however, obviously there are situations where people can't or uh, aren't interested in doing that. And so we want to make sure that they still have uh, at least a link to one version of that bundle if they're not going to build it themselves. So I also merged the PR to deprecate the old bundles and introduce the 5x bundle. Uh, I blogged the release of the ATECC 608 guide uh, which is out. Uh, there's no CircuitPython code for that, only Arduino, but or I think we're working on the CircuitPython stuff for it, but um, that guide's been released. And then started on the Circuit Playground Bluefruit guide. A uh, majority of the uh, skeleton of it is completed. Um, pinouts, guided tour, downloads pages, the CircuitPython install page, and then a series of CircuitPython general uh, pages have been mirrored into it, so that's done. And then what we are doing is going through and testing all of the Circuit Playground Express code 
with the circuit playground blue fruit to either make sure it works or if something needs to be changed, change it, or if we find a bug in the board definition, fix it. Um, so uh, we, I've started on that. Analog in is done, digital in out is done, analog out is not compatible, so not included. And uh, that brings me to this week. So today, a little bit of Library Monday. I'm gonna go through and verify that all the libraries are in the bundle. I noticed in our list that we have a PR um, to the bundle open that may or may not still be open. Uh, so we'll get that merged and just verify everything's in there and that um, see if there's anything major that hasn't been released and that sort of thing. Uh, and I need to release the CircuitPython build tools. As I said, we merged the PR but didn't release it. And um, so that has to happen. Otherwise, the 5x bundle won't build and we won't have deprecated the others. Um, continuing work on the circuit playground blue fruit testing. I'm currently doing cap touch, uh, which has one minor change. Um, and that's been tested. And so I'm ready to finish up the guide page on that. Um, I want to, over the course of this week, test, uh, Entol's circup, um, which is a script that updates the libraries on the board. Um, and then I'm going to continue to looking into the updates for circuitpython.org slash library slash contributing uh, that Summersoft is working on um, and see where we're at with that and see what, um, what help I can provide there. Um, I already did the next thing I have on my list, which was to verify the 5x bundle now that we know why that's not building. And then once that is built, uh, we need to update circuitpython.org slash libraries to have the 4x and 5x bundles instead of 3x and 4x. And then um, if I run into waiting on hardware, which is a possibility, I have a series of libraries that Entol found while uh, writing circuit that were created before our current cookie cutter, which is designed to create a standard for the libraries and have a set number of files and formats for version numbers and all that stuff. And so there's something like, I don't know, 20 or 30 libraries that were created before our current standard and need to be updated. Those were assigned to myself and Brent. And so I have my list of those to go through, which will fill in um, any space between now and the time that I'm getting hardware. Um, to finish testing the Circuit Playground Blue Fruit and make sure that everything works on that. Uh, and that is what I'm up to. Uh, King of North is lurking, so next up is Maker Melissa. Hello. Okay, so last week I finished on reviewing some e-ink uh, pull requests uh, that uh, Tanit had submitted, and those passed good. I finished up the Raspberry Pi TensorFlow Lite guide and got that out. Um, I, finished, I verified an issue with uh, labels and on the monochrome e-ink featherwing that Anecdata had found. Uh, I fixed a couple of those libraries that had the missing versions and repo URLs uh, that you were mentioning about. Uh, I think it was the e-paper display and the, and the HT16K33 one. Uh, and then I added the Halloween M4 to Arduino ST7789 library examples. Uh, I tested out a pull request for adding Blinka to the Orange Pi Zero and got that merged in. 
and I started a guide for running Blinka on the NVIDIA Jetson Nano, but I was running into some issues with enabling Spy because it was very complicated and not user-friendly. Mm. Uh, this <laughs> this week I'm going to uh, finish up that guide for the Jetson Nano. Uh, I'm going to test a pull request for the SSD 1306 in Arduino, and I'm going to go ahead and try and revisit some of the blinking guides that I'd done uh, now that I have a better understanding of stuff and see if I can get more things working. Excellent. And that's it. Thanks very much. Next, yeah. Next up is Sedacious. Howdy again. So let's see. Uh, last week I finished the uh, drivers for the PCT2075 temperature sensor. It's a, a slight upgrade to, I think it's the... L75 or LS75 is like a generic temperature sensor. And so this one does that. And I think a little bit more has slightly more accuracy. Uh, it's nice and cheap, does what it's supposed to do very well. Uh, so those drivers are done uh, working on the guide. Uh, see, I got the guide for the TLV493D uh, done except for pictures. Uh, those should be coming before too long. Uh, I also successfully tested the latest revision of the OLED bonnet. Uh, Got it working. The drivers need some work, but uh, the hardware seems to be good. Let's see. What else? Uh, the Airlift Bitsy Wing slash add-on was released. Kind of happy about that. Fun little thing. Um, and then, um, yeah, so uh, I, I did some initial work on um, uh, what? What did I do? I did some initial work on the SSD 1305 um Display I.O. driver, which is the module that powers the, uh, or the driver that powers the OLED bonnet. Um, the, there isn't one in uh, Display I.O. yet, which is not necessary just yet because the bonnet is bonnet and doesn't, you know, go into a feather or something. But nonetheless, um, working on that for some personal projects. And then I'm going to try and update the, probably have to update the um, uh, frame buffer driver as well so it works properly on uh, Raspberry Pi. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I am starting work on the PCT 2075 guide. Should probably have that done today or very early tomorrow. Um, later this week, I'll probably be bringing up another board. I've got a stack of them that I have to go through, so doubtless that'll be happening at some point in time. And let's see what else did I do? I did some fun personal stuff. I went to the Embedded.fm podcast's 300th episode. Uh, party uh, called Cats and Hacks. There are cats, or there were cats, and there were hacks there, and lots of cool people that I met, including uh, Alvaro of the Unnamed Reverse Engineering Podcast, who encouraged me to start hacking on my Droid Depot droid. So I tore it apart, took a bunch of pictures, found out what ships are where, and um, started the process of reversing it, and I have some pictures here. Um, to do that, I also put together a quickie uh, Trinket M0 based um, ring light for my phone so the lighting in my pictures don't suck quite so bad. And that's it for me. Thanks very much. Excellent. All right, next up is Scott. Hello. Um, last week I started getting the iOS development set up uh, so I could test blue build and test Bluefruit on my own devices. Need to finish that this week. I polished up the e-paper drivers and got them into the bundle. 
I also fixed a number of the warning issues uh, on the contributing page about uh, things being missing from the driver page. So I did that work. I got the dot hidden property checked in to TileGrid and group. And then I also fixed the I squared C display issue that we were having and released that all as alpha two. Um, and then towards the end of the week, I was exploring um, this, the work that John Reese had done for RST to PyI, which is basically taking CircuitPython core docs and creating Python stubs for uh, like smart IDEs that are doing completion and validation and things. Um, so I, I kind of polished that up and want to work on that more. I also was uh, taking a look at PyWrite, uh, which is a uh, some open source code by a guy at Microsoft that uh, basically does parsing and static uh, type analysis of Python files. Uh, but it's written in TypeScript, which is really interesting because uh, one of the more popular cross-platform uh, solutions for mobile and iOS, iOS and Android uh, development is uh, React Native, which is in JavaScript, but also can run TypeScript. So uh, really thinking about the BLE workflow stuff um, that I've been kind of harping on for the Circuit Play Playground Bluefruit. Um, so once I'm through PRs and testing stuff, hopefully today, um, I'll go a bit heads down throughout the rest of the week and be prototyping the file system uh, and REPL service over Bluetooth for CircuitPython. So that should be uh, very neat. And I'll actually get to play with my Circuit Playground Bluefruits and try to poke it from my phone and, and uh, try to get as quickly as I can to kind of a like full end to end. Um, how does this feel? Is this amazing? Like, I think it's going to be amazing sort of deal. So uh, yeah, heads down on BLE workflow this week, hopefully. All right. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Next up is Brent. Hello. Um, I started classes last week. Um, looking forward to my semester ahead. Um, I worked on the Airlift Bitsy guide, assembled a new proto, and sent out the uh, IoT newsletter on Friday. Um, I also started building out the Adafruit ATEC module that Katni was talking about earlier um, for the breakout that we sell, and then most of our Airlift compatibles, like Airlift Featherwing, and the uh, Metro M4 Airlift Lite have like a spot for the ATEC, but we don't have it on the board right now. So it'll be really useful for CircuitPython. Um, and I'll explain a little bit more in a second. And I got, uh, it's a hardware accelerated crypto chip. So I'll be able to do um, key generation much quicker than like the CircuitPython RSA library. Um, so this week I'm going to continue working on it and make it useful for IoT applications. Um, building a certificate sending request demo for use with AWS. Um, and then it, since the chip will be able to store your certificate when it authenticates, it, you won't need to generate every single time, which will be really nice. And then I'm going to build the JWS generation for Google Cloud IoT, which is how Google Cloud uh, CircuitPython authenticates. And then I'm going to update CircuitPython Azure for um, this chip as well, and also update it so it works with mini MQTT. And then eventually, not now, what I'd like to do is to make it work with tiny LoRa. And it'll be really quick for LoRaWAN. And that's what I'm working on right now. Sounds great. Thanks very much. All right. I have two lurkers, and uh, Charles Burnford uh, reported earlier, um, but I will read it off again. Um, 
that he finally got his keyboard project working and got the info from the documentation. Next up is Dan. Hi, so um, I've been working on uh, BLE bonding, um, which means remembering pairing information. So you have to remember keys and things like that. So we need to store things persistently in CircuitPython, and I chose a way to do that, which is to use a file system called LittleFS, which is it won't be accessible from USB, but it'll be accessible inside CircuitPython. That's already being used by the Arduino um, Bluefruit library, which is another BLE implementation that we have. So, and it turns out, one reason I chose it is that there actually already is a way of, um, there's a pull request to MicroPython from Damien, the head of MicroPython, to add this. He just hasn't finished it yet, but it's enough done that I can just take his code. So that will save a lot of work. Um, then the next thing I'm doing is um, uh, I submitted a pull request uh, last week or the week before that about compile time uh, specification of which USB devices and which HID devices you use. And it turns out there's some bugs in that, and I'm fixing that right now, trying to get um, discovered while I was get, trying to get uh, game pads working uh, on Windows and Xbox, the Xbox Assistive Controller, XAC. I fixed this pin assignment bug in Circuit Playground Bluefruit that was mentioned three or four times already. Um, I'm trying to figure out a sim really simple library that's sort of akin in simplicity to the CPX library that would um, enable some simple Bluefruit operations um, or Bluetooth operations, BLE operations on the Circuit Playground Bluefruit. And, and a reason, as a re also all of this, MicroPython, there's an active, active work going on in MicroPython right now to add uh, common BLE support to MicroPython, and I'm in contact with the, um, the implementer of that right now and some other or implementers someone with a specific pull request and some other people who are commenting on it. So that's really good. We're, we're, we're both having the same problems and making some of the same mistakes maybe, and uh, maybe we can work together on this. And if not come up with a common API, at least one that um, satisfies everybody's needs in, in both cases. Okay. Excellent, thanks, Dan. All right, next up is Dave Bricchetti. Everybody, um, it looks like the community members directory is is nearly complete. <laughs> this is interesting. Um, just watching the people adding themselves to it. Um, so there's a link up above a little bit. Um, really useful, I think, for new people like me who just want to get to know folks and see kind of what's going on in the community and how I can help out and so forth. Okay, the second thing is, let me drag a picture in here. Been working on. Here it comes. And I have links in the notes to it, to YouTube videos about it and then the code. There's a um, CircuitPython piece that's kind of an encoder. So there's a message, a secret message, and then it gets encoded sequence of light patterns on the NeoPixels. And then the decoder piece takes a video recording of that 
experience, uh, and then uses Python OpenCV computer vision to see which pixels are on over time and then vary into decimal and then looks up the letter of the alphabet according to that. So uh, great fun, and I got to play with um, some trigonometry. And, um, so the so Katney, I might be in touch with you to see if the encoder piece might be an interesting CircuitPython um, Express library example. Okay. Yeah, just let me know. Sounds really fascinating. All right. Uh, Dave P is lurking. Next up is Deshipu, who has no mic today, but put in the notes more of the same. So next up is Higher Effect. Uh, okay, so this week just kind of working on more um, support for uh, STM32. We I wrapped up the Flash PR that was sitting around for a little while because of uh, my delay uh, for moving. Uh, GitHub uh, CI support in there, um, revamped the pin system in preparation for analog IO and some bus IO updates. That was going to be taking up most of this week is going to be reworking bus IO, thinking about how to handle uh, communication peripherals on the STM32, which is a little bit different from NRF. So it may, we may be reworking the system for that a little bit. So um, may see more discussions about that coming up. Uh, and then uh, running into some issues with uh, F4.112 USB. Um, hope we can get that uh, wrapped up. But uh, apparently, it's the USB for SCM32 is not working on Windows. So figure out what's up with that. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me. All right. Thanks very much. Next up is Jason P. Okay. Well, I don't have much for active projects going on right now. But uh, I do jump back every now and then to see if there's a new version of CircuitPython to try and just make sure they work with the things that I have built. I threw out the idea of doing some DMX control stuff last week. Sounds like Scott said there was a request or an issue around that that he sent a link to. So that might be something worth looking at. Uh, so I'm always looking for ideas. I think that if I have something specific to work on, I, I tend to spend more time on it. Um, I'm particularly interested in CircuitPython and where it intersects with FPGAs as FPGA is kind of where I live my life professionally. Mm -hmm. So that's of interest to me as well. Excellent. All right. Um, yeah, feel free to, you know, ping any of us um, with uh, ideas you have or let us know um, if you're looking for, you know, things to do and we can possibly uh, help you find that. Okay, will do. Thanks. All right, next up is Jeff. Hello again. Hello. Um, all week is kind of a drag at day job, but on the weekend I do get time to work on CircuitPython, and the time I had let me get I2S out working and to pull request status, so I'm excited about that. Uh, playing 16-bit mono samples is working pretty good. There were some glitches, which I don't fully understand, but one of them is this problem with truncated wave files. Um, every other audio out driver wouldn't have cared if a read from a wave file returned zero bytes and said, oh, there's more data. It would have just stopped playing or uh, glitched the audio a little bit, but the circuit Python would have kept running. And because of how I structured this new driver, it actually kept asking until it came up with some number of total bytes, which it never ever would. Um, 
So the pull request for I2S out also includes a fix for that bug. It just didn't feel like it was worth breaking out into its own thing. And I filed a couple of other minor PRs, uh, basically around the idea of turning on debugging, which working with the uh, J-Link is pretty invaluable when debugging low-level stuff like this. And this just makes the experience a little better. So this week, uh, or maybe next weekend, further testing of the I2S out. I know there are a bunch of scenarios I haven't tested, and I would like to test them all, uh, or at least the ones that I've listed there in the, the meeting notes. For the future, I do want to return to the SAMD51 uh, analog out issues where we're seeing weirdness with the DAC. And the main thing there is to finish comparing the registers with the Arduino, including the clocking register. Um, and even if I can't solve it, I need to make sure that the issues have all of my findings. And if I don't find a further fix, then I do have a PR that's out there right now related to this, that if it's not in draft status, it should have been, because I think it might have done something bad to the QSPY file system due to the clocking changes. So I'm a little worried about that. Um, and then while working on the NRF I2S out, I realized some things that let me optimize the memory usage, and I should apply those to PWM audio out and fix a bug looping, or rather not looping raw samples uh, on PWM audio out. So I've got plenty on my plate, but uh, for the immediate future, just looking at finishing up I2S out. Excellent. Thanks very much for everything you've been doing. All right, next up is Jerry. Hi, uh, let's see if I can find the right page here. Um, yeah, we'll spend uh, most of the last week in a canoe off the grid, and uh, that was really nice. So, and, uh, and actually, by the way, I'll, and I'll be doing a similar most of next week. So I'll be gone for the meeting and uh, deep in the woods. Excellent. Have an amazing time. Thanks. And, uh, but in, so in, in, in what time I was back, one of the things I did for fun was I decided to try and hook up an airlift breakout to a Raspberry Pi Zero um, and see how, how it would work. Um, and it worked great. Uh, really, really very few problems. It was a minor little tweak had to be made to, to the CircuitPython requests. Uh, just to handle some byte strings, um, but um, put in a PR for that, and it, it uh, seems to be working working well. Um, I'm not sure how useful it is to anybody because a, a, a simple Wi-Fi dongle is probably less expensive and a lot lot, lot more versatile on a Raspberry Pi. But just wanted to see that it, it could be done. And um, and then I've been playing around with my play, Circuit Playground Blue Fruit. Uh, got it hooked up to my Cricket and. Um, so far, not running into any problems other than my own learning, um, <laughs> and um, look forward to playing playing with that. And also getting back to some Laura um, RFM 9x stuff. There's been a long-standing issue with some garbage transmissions that occur occasionally, and um, just trying to understand more about that and see if you know see if it's a hardware or software or just noise issue. Trying to learn more about it. All right, excellent. Thank you very much. And once again, have a wonderful time. Thanks. All right. Um, so next up is that, that sums up uh, status updates. Thank you everybody for letting us know what it is that you're up to. And that means that next up is in the weeds. So in the weeds is an opportunity for us to have more long form discussions that don't really fit in with status updates. Um, if you have anything you would like to add in the weeds, please add it to the notes while we are discussing other things or 
uh, bring it up in the chat and we'll add it to the notes for you. And then we will come back to it when we are through with whatever discussion we are currently having. I have one thing, well, two things in the weeds, but they are the same thing. Uh, the question is, shall we talk FPGAs? So I will turn that over to Jeff to start that discussion. Um, well, you know, I hadn't really ever thought about uh, the intersection between CircuitPython or MicroPython and FPGAs, but I saw one of the lightning talks by Tim Ansel, known as Mithro, at PyOhio, and I thought, that sounds really cool. Um, and that's kind of the extent of where I'm at. I have done a tiny bit of FPGA development in the past, but uh, you know, nothing at that level of sophistication. Okay. Anybody else have um, thoughts on that? So I, Jason, did you want to go? You go ahead. I was going to say, I when I was at Teardown, I spent some time talking with Tim and um, Luke, Tiny FPGA, and uh, Sean Cross. Like they were all there, and we we chatted a bunch. And I my my position has kind of been like the USB side of things is still really early. Um, and they've seen the UF2 bootloader stuff and how successful it is. And I've really been pushing them to think of of how you load uh, gateware, as they call it, onto FPGAs in the similar fashion of just like, it needs to be mass storage drag and drop before I'm really interested in that. Um, so I've been kind of just in a holding pattern when it came, comes to this FPGA stuff uh, to just let the, the USB side of things mature. I've also been really pushing them and from the perspective of the people that are going to buy devices or like boards with FPGAs on them, like they don't want to have to worry about the tool chain to get going. Um, I imagine a world where we make, you know, five custom socks available that they can drag and drop onto their device and they can use that. Um, and I had these discussions with, with Luke who does tiny FPGA and the tiny FPGA boards and like, He's totally on board with that. It's just a matter of time. Um, and so I think that if we wanted to put efforts into FPGA land, it would be a matter of um, focusing on their USB support stuff. And um, the other thing that I want really want to see is a, a much more concrete separation between things that require their toolchain stuff. Like their toolchain stuff's really cool, but it shouldn't be required. Um, and using it as just like you would use a regular MCU. So um, their tool chain stuff now is like very tightly coupled because they have like one thing Tim's done is like made some really high level scripts to basically take you from start to finish. Uh, but there's no way to kind of like cut that in half and get uh, like a, a gateware file and a documentation of that gateware file without having all of the previous previous work as well. So I've been really hoping to push them into this world where like they're basically fitting into this microcontroller world by providing gateware and documentation for it, like a data sheet, literally a data sheet with just like if you looked at the SAMD51 data sheet. Um, and then on our side, what we can do is we can start by just treating it like any other MCU. Um, and then once they're once we're there, like people have a reason to buy a device that has an FPGA because they can do 16 concurrent NeoPixels out 
for example, right? Like that's something you couldn't, you can't really do with what we have today. Um, and then once, once like the very, very far future, I think is you could get potentially even more interesting where like, if you're in CircuitPython and you say, I want, I want a bus IO to I squared C on these two pins, rather than baking it in into the MCU, we actually uh, re reload part of the FPGA to be able to do that um the low level i squared c stuff in hardware instead and um that's where i think they kind of want to leap to uh because that like reconfigurability is kind of the appeal of fpgas but i really would like to to see it happen kind of in between where people don't need to install their tools it's just the power users that basically want to dig into the source in the same way you would dig into like the c source of circuit python if you needed to um I really want to see that boundary happen before we before we really touch it. Um, but yeah, that's my vision, I guess. That that's helpful, Scott. This is Jason, and I don't know. It looks like we're at two oh one. So, Katni, I don't know if you need to to wrap this up. I have so much to say on this topic. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, um, we we but... aren't even to an hour yet. If you want to say some stuff, okay. Yeah, so 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 I agree. I think with the the FPGA thing, you know, one of the areas. I mean, there are a group of people that want to be able to just take advantage of the performance you get, right, from an FPGA. For, so from that standpoint, yeah, definitely being able to just like drag an image on and say, well, this one's got, oh, this is my robotics image, right? So it's mm -hmm. got the motor drivers and servos and you know quadrature and all that stuff you want to be able right. to do. And then there's, there's just a simple API back and forth that you can just you know, make those calls and, right. um, you know, so that, that, that's what, so our, our company, that's what we kind of did with the stuff we put out that worked in the Arduino world. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's with the, how like CircuitPython is progressing, you know, I personally am just fascinated with that and mm -hmm. seeing how that could, uh, how that could fit really well into a similar model. So mm -hmm. if, if that's the idea that, well, we just want to make this usable, like we could just drag this image on. Right. And now you can easily make those calls. I think that translation, I don't know about the UF2 support, that that sort of mystifies me yet a little bit, but I really mm -hmm. like that also. So that's one of the things that using CircuitPython just opened my eyes at how easy that made things. If there's right. a way to make it that simple as well, that would be huge. And then I think you're talking about like a, a different model entirely if you're moving to trying to get people to be able to develop their own FPGA logic as simple right. as possible or, or wrap some stuff around it is is mm -hmm. great. And if you do that, it's easy, but, but certainly the starting place is like you just said, Hey, we want to servos with this board, but what if we want to drive 15, right? Well, that's right. really easy to do in hardware. It's not easy right. to do even this, you know, SAMD 51 was just super powerful, but you're eventually yep. overloaded with that parallelism. Right? right. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really interested in what would be of interest to you in that regard, because I, I don't think we're too far away from being able to make that accessible to people. No, and they're working on it. Like, I, if you wanted to reach out to like Sean Cross, I would, like, he has a bootloader, but it uses DFU still, and I think okay. he's intending on it doing mass storage, but it doesn't yet currently. Okay. Um, so I would check in with him, if, uh, and Tim will connect you up too if you want to reach out to Tim. Uh, okay. I just remembered I also had another discussion with Greg uh, Steider from Lattice, mm -hmm. and he's really keen on the the mock. XO two and three um, from Lattice, and they they haven't been documented yet, so the open source tools don't work for it now. But 
he thinks those are a really good solution because they're single power supply and mm-hmm. you can load them over I squared C and spy. Okay. So rather than thinking of it as something you would run circuit Python on, it's more like the best, uh, seesaw device you could ever imagine okay. where like, you know, you, you use it as a peripheral, you have it as a breakout. Um, but that breakout can basically do whatever you want. Um, I think that's actually, in terms of what Adafruit products would sell, I think if, like, we're heavy, we heavily love I squared C. So if we could have an I squared C XO2 breakout where, like, oh, if you want to just, like, have something that's doing, like, like, on my game board cart, I really would love something that did address matching, right? So 16 lines in and just raise a pin if it matches a particular address or an address range. Um. So I think that if we could get to that point uh, where it's useful as a breakout, that would be cool too. Okay. Um, and potentially on the CircuitPython side, like uh, Greg actually has CircuitPython code that loads bins already um, from CircuitPython or loads gateware onto these devices. Um, but the the gateware itself is generated by the proprietary t- tool chain. Right. Um, I think it could be cool to be actually be able to say in CircuitPython, like connect this pin to that pin and do very basic, basically gateway generation from. Well, that's Python. interesting. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, which I think, which I think is actually where we'd probably be more comfortable starting because of the cost and complexity is probably a lot less than something like an ECP five. Um, so yeah, it to, the the thing blocking that is basically open documentation for how those devices are structured. Um, okay. The XO2 and 3. Um, but they're nice because they're only you only just give them 3.3 volts or something. And they also have flash, I think, so they can remember the way you configured them. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's what drew us. You know, the, the experience I have is with a, a, a small Intel part. And it it's got, uh, for this kind of stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. it's got embedded flash. So the, the configuration mm-hmm. stays with it right you don't need extra memory to do all that and instant on and that kind of stuff yeah 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 so i think it's really interesting i think um like dave shaw's just like left his job and so he's kind of available and it's really interesting but we just like as adafruit don't have the cycles to ramp more folks up or more platforms currently um yeah i understand yep because we're like not only doing like this core BLE work that Dan and I are doing, but we also have STM work that Hyra Effect is doing, and um, that branches out pretty widely <laughs> into F4s and F7s and H7s and you know all the different variants of the F4s. Um, so there's that, and then on top of that, we're really interested in the IMX RT series as well, which is what the TC4 has. Um, so in terms of cycles, we just don't have the cycles for the FPGA work at this point. Um, but yeah, it would be really interesting. It's definitely on my radar as like one direction we can take things. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I, you know, I'm interested because I would like to see our our group, you know, my group, uh, do some of this stuff that such that it could support as well like this. Because I, again, I just you see it growing everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great place to be playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the help we could get is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is why I'm trying to give you like, oh, start here, talk to this yeah, person. No, this is perfect. This is an awesome conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's definitely something on my radar. It's just never been high enough on the list. 
if you don't mind me asking, um, just on the subject of, of FPGA work, um, is there like a good early first use case application for beginners, <laughs> DGAs? Like, because what I really frequently hear from beginners who are interested in FPGAs is that they don't have a project that they would, that they can think of to use an FPGA for. And right. I was just wondering if there's like some kind of accessible entry level thing that could be targeted in the case that FPGAs are, are uh, integrated. Are you talking about to design from scratch yourself or if you had like a uh, stuff that already worked ready for you? Well, I, I'm, I mean more kind of like um, a lot of the applications that I hear about for uh, FPGAs are for kind of involved like uh, emulating hardware or, um, you know, doing some kind of advanced graphics work or something like that. I'm wondering mm -hmm. if there's some kind of... Uh, what kinds of applications you could envision beginners using an FPGA for, for that would actually have utility beyond just learning how to use an FPGA? Right. I think you like an audit, I was just going to say an obvious thing for me at least would be like, hey, I want to drive a 10 bajillion neopixels or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that'd be very useful. Okay, so yeah, so like high volume device management. I, I think that actually came up for my past project. So, okay. Yeah, I was going to say something similar. I mean, if you look at like robotics, right, which robotics is a good application or a good example of an application where people will start with microcontrollers, right? So they'll start with a Arduino board or something like that. Um, more so now, you know, not so much, you know, you're seeing a lot more of the SAMDs now, but you're driving servos or motors or whatever. And then pretty soon you want to start taking in a lot more data from more servos or you have multiple motors. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon you can you can really saturate your microcontroller. So if you can move that stuff out to hardware, you just get the parallelism, and you can do a lot more all at one time. Mm -hmm. You know, all concurrently. It's a really it's it's just replication of a single thing. So just kind of a that special case PWM for driving a servo. Right. Um, but it, it it's a good way for people to immediately see the benefit of well, geez, I'm doing this all in hardware, and now I can drive a bunch of these things all at once, and it. You know, my, my micro is not even doing anything. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of idling, basically, a little bit of maintenance work, but that's about it. Okay. Right. I, 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 yeah, I think I think that's I think that's one take on it, but I think there's also this other take of like, I just need this like breakout that breaks out the pins and then allows me to flexibly route pins from one pin to another. Mm -hmm. Um I think there's there's room for that as well. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. And then, are you talking about like? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Say it again. Uh, do you mean using it like a cross point switch? Yeah, to some degree. Basically, basically, like what we're talking about largely is like I want a microcontroller system on a chip, right? A sock that has these custom peripherals that do really specific things for me. Whereas the alternate way you can think about it is I want a custom I2C device that does whatever I want for me. Um, and I think that's where the XO2 stuff is interesting because it like you can say, load this up and treat this as this sort of I2C device. Um, and I need, I like personally, I like, I'm looking at like pin shifting and like parallel matching and things like that. But, um, I think thinking of it as just a like 
black box or like versatile I squared C device is the other way to think about it. So like a super powered um, seesaw. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's where what you're loading is like not microcontroller code. It's just like well, potentially it is, but but the interface you're talking is I squared C to it basically. That'd be sweet. It does. It does remind me of my work back in in like haptic feedback running like a huge network that was divided by a bunch of multiplexers to get I squared C to like 64 different devices that all had the same I squared C address. <laughs> An FPGA that, you know, would just be able to do that as opposed to having this ridiculous system where you had all these intermediaries and this and that. Right. You know, it's a good way to just get a lot of stuff supported or like you said, get something that's just really, really, really specific and built together. Right. So I'm going to jump in here with this link that I dropped a little bit ago to uh, Mesa Electronics, who I've done some uh, contract work with in the past. And they put um, FPGAs on boards with a bunch of I.O. and then set them up to do things like uh, stepper waveform generation, quadrature decoding, PWM generation, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And for some of their boards, they have a discoverable SPI protocol. So uh, you put it on your spy bus and say, hello, Mesa card, what do you have? And it'll say, well, I have uh, eight PWMs and they're on pins one and two, three and four, five and six, seven and eight, and so on. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you know, go ahead and send the requests. And this exists in the world of motion control. And uh, I became aware of them through Linux CNC. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, thinking of something like a seesaw where you take your feather, you stick it on this, and now you've got, so many high-speed IOs, and however you program it or however you communicate with it, it becomes relatively transparent and discoverable to the source code running in CircuitPython. I think that would be cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think there's two approaches there. I love that idea. So that's, uh, thanks for mentioning that stuff. I'm going to do a little more digging on that. Sweet. Sounds great. Cool. Well, thank you, everyone. That was an uh, excellent um, discussion. I know a lot of people are very interested in CircuitPython and FPGAs and um, having a plan for it um, or ideas for it anyway is, is excellent because I know um, some people were struggling on really where to go with it. And it sounds like there are opportunities. Uh, with that, we are at an hour and 10 minutes, so I will go ahead and wrap up. This has been the CircuitPython Weekly for September 9th, 2019. Um, this meeting is held every week, uh, typically on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and um, everybody's welcome. So if you are listening to this and this is something that you would like to be a part of, please check us out on Discord, adafru.it slash Discord to um, join us for this meeting. So thank you everyone who participated. Thank you to everyone who's listening later and thank you to everyone involved with uh, the CircuitPython community. Uh, we appreciate everything you're doing and hopefully we will talk to you soon. Thanks everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. See you later. Bye, everyone. Thanks.